Dan Kreisel to the 2021 Welsh Food and Drink Hustings. My name is Pete Robertson. I'm the Chief Executive of FDF Cymru, and along with industry fellow industry stakeholders, NFU Cymru, Farmer Union of Wales, the Association of Convenience Stores, Welsh Retail Consortium, and UK Hospitality, we're delighted to convene this event. Food and drink manufacturing is the second largest employer by sector in Wales, and when combined with the widened food and drink supply chain, employs close to 10% of all the people who live in Wales across the length and breadth of the country. Clearly a huge focus for the sector is business recovery from the challenges of COVID and the EU exit. However, as we enter a new Senate term, in addition, the sector is facing further potential fundamental change across a range of areas that can, group, can be grouped into three categories, economic prosperity, environmental agenda, and public health. With Welsh, with Welsh government policy having the potential to directly impact across all these areas, policies made in Cardiff Bay have never been more important to the sector and its wider supply chain. A note of housekeeping, thank you to all attendees who send questions in advance. And if anyone wants to send questions during the session, if you could please email them to senate at fdf.org.uk. If your question doesn't manage to get raised, we'll aim to get them answered by the parties and a written response to you following the event. Without further ado, I look forward to a really interesting session <coughs> and I'd like to introduce Chris Kelsey, journalist and former editor of Western Mail's Country and Farming, who will be chairing the session. Chris, over to you. Well, thank you very much, uh, Pete, and uh, thank you to our, our guests from the uh, uh, the main parties uh, who I'll be introducing in a, in, a, in a moment, and to all the people who are um, attending uh, this morning's hustings. Um, the, the theme for these, uh, these hustings uh, is supporting the Welsh food and drink industry. The industry has had a very difficult time over it uh, over the last year or so with issues such as COVID-19, Brexit, the search for environmental sustainability, and the need to promote healthy eating or presenting challenges, as Peter's pointed out. I guess this morning we'll be addressing questions on all these subjects um, and any others that uh, that attendees um, sort of bring up during the course of, of, of the hustings, if, if we have time to, uh, uh, to to cover them. In a moment, I'll uh, I'll ask the first questions uh, and ask our guests to um, um, to answer them. But first, uh, just a few words of introduction for them. Hugh um, Oanka Davis uh, is. Labour candidate for Ogmore uh, and represented the um, constituency in the last Senate. Uh, he was a member of the External Affairs and um, Additional Legislation Committee and the Equality Local Government and Communities Committee. Juranka was a member of various cross-party groups, including asbestos, hospices and palliative care, mental health and SDEM. He was elected in May 2016, after standing down as the constituency MP, uh, a role which he held from 2002 to 2016. Claire Griffith is Environmental and Rural Affairs spokesperson for Plaid Cymru. Claire has been Plaid Cymru's MS for North Wales since 2011. He chaired the Senate's Finance Committee during the fifth Senate and was also a member of the Climate Change, Environment and Rural Affairs Committee. He's a member of several cross-party groups, including biodiversity, sustainable energy, and rural affairs. Before his election to the Senate, he served as a councillor and mayor for Carmarthen. 
Janet Finch Saunders is a Welsh Conservative spokesperson for Environment, Energy and Rural Affairs. Janet has been the MS for Aberconway since she was first elected to the Senate in 2011. She chaired the Pensions Committee during the 5th Senate and sat on the Committee for the Scrutiny of the First Minister and the Climate Change, Environment and Rural Affairs Committee. She's also the Welsh Conservatives Older People's Champion. Finally, William Powell is the Liberal Democrat candidate for Brecon and Radnorshire. He has been a Paris County Councillor since 2004 and was a member of the National Assembly between 2011 and 2016 for the Mid and West Wales region. During his time in the Senate, he was a Welsh Liberal Democrat spokesperson for the Environment, Sustainable Development and Rural Affairs. So beginning with the uh, questions, um, and um, um, I'll start with um, Hugh Iranka-Davis, um, first question. Um, the first question comes from um, David Chapman, the uh, uh, UK Hospitality Executive Director for Wales, and he asks, following 14 months of enforced closure, damaging restriction, and suboptimal trading. What policies for retention, investment, and growth will your party introduce to support the hospitality sector and the supply chain that supports it? And why is your party best placed to lead the long-term recovery of the sector that is the third largest employer in Wales? Thank you, Chris, and uh, good morning to everybody and, and to my fellow panelists as well there. It's undoubtedly been the case that the hospitality sector has probably been the hardest uh, hit of many sectors uh, over the last year and more. And the recovery is, whilst we hope for a, uh, a rapid bounce back as measures are lifted, it's going to take a long time. And the projections have said it's going to take a few years, actually, uh, to recoup the not only the profitability and the turnover that's been lost, but also to be able to invest in the sector as well. So I think it is vitally important that not only the support that's been put there already by the UK and the Welsh governments together, uh, which hasn't uh, covered all the losses and the lost income and so on, but that actually that, if you like, holding hand is still there going forward and that there is a listening government that works with the sector right across the sector to make sure that if there is continuing support needed, it is there. But there's something more than that as well. There is something about this brand Wales, this uh, this developing uh, things such as, not just for tourists, by the way, but for uh, our, our own Welsh population as well. This idea of a brand Wales that is a real uh, food nation, a place that we take pride in the quality uh, of our produce, far more than we ever have. We've always had good produce. Uh, we've branded our produce in Wales, but we actually do more. So people get to know Wales going forward as a place where wherever they go, to eat out, to spend a night, to come here as tourists or day trippers and so on, that they know what they get and it's a quality experience right across the board from food, from hospitality, uh, from accommodation and so on. Now, I think it's right that we, we focus on this because if we are going to build back uh, in a way that's not only um, uh, sustainable as well, sustainable economically, but also sustainable in that wider environmental field, then one of the brand parts of Wales is actually that um, sustainability of its tourism product as well, places that people come because it feels different coming to Wales than other parts that they might go to. 
So yes, it's one is the issue of continuing investment, but I think the other thing with any government, uh, and we are, by the way, developing one of our commitments is uh, um, a community food strategy going forward. So we focus on the local, the uh, the identifiable brands in West Wales, in South Wales, and so on that are part of this. But it's also supporting that sector and working with it. One of the big things we've done over the last government is this idea of co-production. You work the strategies with the sector, with the industry, and that surely has to carry on into the future as well. Not telling the industry what it means, but working with them. Doesn't mean, by the way, Chris, we won't have difficult choices, because we will. Uh, things are going to be stretched. Everybody's going to be crying out for support. But the hospitality sector in Wales is one of our biggest assets. So we have to help it get back. And the hospitality sector, by the way, is what will then grow our economy for us. So it's a, there's a quid pro quo here. It's enlightened self-interest to make sure that we come through this well. Uh, thank you, Shiranka. And now uh, I can turn to uh, Shea Griffith. Uh, yeah, well, likewise, you know, the food and drink sector, of course, makes a, a huge contribution uh, to us here in Wales, not not only economically, but environmentally and uh, socially and, and in terms of cultural identity as well. And those are assets that we really need to build upon. Um, now, clearly, you know, we, we need to see targeted reduction in, in business rates to help the sector longer term. Uh, as a party as well, we're committed to zero interest uh, loans again. On, on a very long-term basis with, with repayment holidays, just to try and get the sector back uh, on its feet as, as best we can. We're gonna continue to lobby for a, a reduction in uh, VAT for tourism businesses. You know, that again is something I think that will help unlock much of this uh, um, potential. And we're committed to establishing Prosperity Wales, which would be an economic development agency, um, which would develop an SME investment strategy. And of course, hospitality and tourism would be a uh, central focus of, of its work. Uh, we'd set up a tourism task force as well. Uh, and we want to focus, you know, a lot of resources on food and cultural tourism, particularly because those are two of the strong assets, the strong features that we have here in Wales that we could really be making uh, more of. Procurement policy certainly is one big area where, you know, we want to see a, a local first uh, approach. Um, you know, if, if, if there are any positives from Brexit, then it is about maximising, you know, any potential we have in terms of prioritising Welsh produce within procurement. We have uh, an established target in our manifesto to increase the level of uh, procurement sourced within Wales from 52% up to 75%. And that's important because every 1% additional uh, we can uh, retain within the Welsh economy, it actually equates to 2,000 jobs. So if we hit that target, then we're creating 46,000 jobs. Um, and the glory of that is, of course, we're doing that without spending an additional penny because all that money is already being spent through public procurement, but it's about using it uh, in a more effective way, supporting uh, our food producers, our farmers, our processors, and establishing a stronger domestic market for our produce through hospitals, schools, and, and council procurement uh, means, of course, that it then strengthens our ability to grow uh, local processing, shorter food supply chains, um, and it has that positive sort of cascading impact throughout the economy, which is, you know, I'm sure what it always wants to see. Thank you very much, uh, Claire. Um, Janet, perhaps I can, uh, can I uh, turn to you now, please? Thank you. Well, Welsh food and drink, of course, is known um, the world over for its quality, value and sustainability. 
the industry is rightfully a flag bearer for our nation. This morning is an important opportunity to outline the Welsh Conservatives' positive plans on how best to support our producers going forward. Approximately 24,000 people work in the manufacturing industry in food and drink, with around 230,000 employed in the wider supply chain. There are around 3,700 different Welsh food and drink producers. Well, I'm really proud, actually, to have a vineyard in, in, here in Aberconway. Um, through our retail outlets, um, you know, they do play a key role in assisting our hospitality and visitor sector. Now, of course, the pandemic has exposed the vulnerabilities of our current food system and has shown that our nation's producers and indeed our farmers are open to a disproportionate share of risks. That is why the Welsh Conservatives would plough ahead with proposals to champion Welsh food and drink introducing a comprehensive food and farming policy, which would ensure food security, which would promote the sale and procurement of Welsh food and drink for the domestic market. We'd foster more sites for food markets and develop a network of food hubs. We would overall uh, review um, and, you know, completely, uh, you know, do an overall review of the procurement uh, process in Wales, because I, you know, I felt for quite some time I've been being um, a cabinet member on a local authority that there was, we had a nonsensical way of bringing produce in from out of the area when we actually have our own local home group produce that is not going into our hospitals, that is not going into our schools, and it is not going into our public sector, um, you know, sort of um, offices and things. So we've got a plan also to support exports, partly through helping to increase shelf life, for instance, on lamb, making us more competitive uh, with New Zealand. Um, we need to look how we can best, um, you know, look forward to the next generation and foster long-term careers in what I consider to be a fantastic and important industry. Likewise, I have also been a very strong proponent of plans to in in introduce a local food and drink charter as a means of encouraging our nation's shops, cafes, restaurants and bars to sell locally sourced Welsh produce. After all, there is no wet way, better way to support Welsh produce as well than us, the people of Wales, buying Welsh. Thank you, dear. Thank you, Janet. And finally, if I can turn to uh, William Powell, please. Thank you, Chris, and uh, and thanks, Dave, very much for for the question. Um, the the hospitality sector, as has already been said, has has been incredibly badly hit, um, and it's uh, over the past um, 12, 12, 13 months, and um, and it's it's happened. There have been a few false dawns, as as we know that. The eat out to help out scheme was uh, well intentioned and managed to 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 carry um, the sector through uh, a difficult period in the in, in the heart of last summer. But clearly, the um, the overall impacts that have been suffered, particularly uh, during the during the, the second extended winter lockdown, have been particularly testing. And um, and uh, the Welsh Liberal Democrats are absolutely committed to to putting recovery uh, front and center of, of our policies. And uh, one of the areas uh, in which um, we are uh, particularly uh, strong is, is around the recovery of the high streets and hospitality businesses 
um, whether they be hotels, cafes, uh, bars, play a central part in that process. And that's what we need to, uh, to address. But one of the things that I think it's useful to do is to, is to cast our mind back uh, to almost 20 years now to the, uh, to the uh, impact of the foot and mouth crisis. Because uh, I think what that showed us, and we see it again now, is the interdependencies, the interdependencies between, uh, between uh, uh, farming and, the, and the, the food production sector, and critically, the, uh, the outlets that we have and the opportunity that we have now, uh, particularly uh, in the context of, uh, of a, a, a radical curtailment of uh, overseas travel, we have the opportunity to give our uh, much hit uh, hospitality sector a real boost. I think there, there have already been comments made that are very important around the uh, sense of place and the idea of, of re-establishing and strengthening that awareness of, uh, of the distinctiveness and the, and the sheer quality of Welsh food and drink products. And that's something that we need to emphasize. We also need to be alert, um, and this is something uh, that uh, seeking to represent uh, my home constituency of Bracken and Radnorshire, we have uh, a very porous border, of course, with England, and therefore we need to have um, uh, more than an eye to uh, uh, to the impact of the of, of variations at a cross border level. And we need to make sure that we don't have going forward unnecessary divergence, because that is to the detriment uh, of the vibrancy and um, and the uh, sustainability of our of our high streets. And uh, I think that's probably sufficient for me. Uh, for now, uh, but I look forward to uh, to coming back onto related topics uh, in due course. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, William. Um, so the, the way I propose to do this, because we've got um, half a dozen or so questions to, to get through, um, and, and I, I think that we should just carry on and, and proceed through these questions. Um, people will be um, sort of sending in uh, additional questions and, and if we have time we can uh, add them to the end and discuss them discuss them then but uh, for the moment I think if we just carry on through the questions that that, that we have uh, already um, and, and the, the second question um, is, um, is is looking at the question of, of business regulation and it comes from Pete Robertson uh, chief executive of FDF Cymru. And he asks, as the food and drink industry begins its journey of recovery from the impacts of COVID-19 and adjusts to the terms of the UK's new trading, uh, trading relationship with the EU, how would the Welsh Government support the economic sustainability of the sector going forward? And he adds, especially as businesses face a raft of proposed regulations with the launch of several consultations from obesity to waste policy areas. Uh, and if I could um, start with um, Clear Griffith on this one. Well, I, I sympathise uh, certainly with the comment about consultations uh, because, you know, we, we've seen a flurry of consultations over uh, recent uh, months and years and uh, it does take a lot of capacity and a lot of effort to respond meaningfully. I know the agricultural sector particularly I quite agree because they're on their third consultation are one of the sort of successor to the common agricultural policy farm support in Wales and each iteration has barely sort of 
differed from the previous one. So uh, I think, you know, one, one thing certainly we need to be mindful of is that if we have consultations, they need to be meaningful and they need to be made and undertaken in a way where participants actually feel that they're influencing uh, the process and influencing the decision. And certainly that isn't the feeling that the agricultural sector has been conveying to me in relation to Brexit and a land which became sustainable farming and a land which is now the white paper proposal. Um, so, you know, yes, that's that's absolutely, um, um, what's the word, uh, something that I, uh, you know, feel and I, I feel your pain in, in that respect. And I've lost my train of thought, Chris, sorry. <clears throat> You'll have to remind me what the first part of the question was. Uh, yes, yeah, so, so it's it's basically it's about business regulation, and, and it's um, um, sort of looking at um, you know how the Welsh government can support the uh, economic sustainability of the sector, you know, um, as, as it adjusts to uh, you know the post-COVID world and, and and the new trading relationships with the EU. Indeed, I mean, I I would be reticent to you know to introduce more regulation than is needed obviously because particularly at this time we have such a pressing uh situation in terms of survival i don't think we should be overburdening or in increasing the burden in terms of regulation clearly i mean there will be things that we'll, ha we'll have to introduce uh, as a consequence of our departure from the european union because the one thing we have in terms of food and drink in wales is this brand value you know the welsh brand value that we have and we have to, you know, we have to really sort of work to protect that and to further promote it in a, in a post-EU uh, environment. It's it's about sort of food that's sustainably produced, isn't it? It's clean, green food from Wales with the wonderful backstory of our landscape uh, and our culture as well. It's a, it's a huge, unique selling point for us. And we need, as I say, to protect and promote it now more than ever. Um, and, you know, we as a party, we'd be committed to, to doing that clearly. We want to develop a specific Made in Wales brand um where you know produce with at least 50 percent of the value is is generated in wales we need to develop actually online a better online presence and online platforms not just internationally but for the domestic market you know we really need to be ramping up campaigns in terms of buying local and buying welsh um and government should be leading that charge from the front they've done a little bit of it but really we should be pulling out all the stops um, because we know there's a risk to our export markets in terms of much of the food that we produce. Um, and that means we have to really max out on the domestic front, as well as, of course, doing what we can in terms of, of, of international markets. Uh, and the only other point I'd make is, you know, red meat going out to the EU, we know how important that is, you know, to the sector here uh, in Wales. And um, it's, Welsh produce is a known produce it's a known brand it's a valued brand with you know the elements I, I mentioned earlier and this talk of opening up new markets you know India China um, yes let's let's do as much as we can but of course in in, in, a, in, a, in a red meat context it's it's a frozen market it's a lower value market it's further away and the Welsh brand isn't as recognized so that unique selling point that added value that we enjoy within the EU context, you know, isn't there further afield. So we really need to tread carefully. I mean, you know, number one is we have to retain the markets that we have uh, within Europe. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Janice, if I can uh, turn to you now. Yeah, well, I'm totally against, um, you know, uh, regulation and, and bureaucracy for uh, not just the food and industry, but businesses in Wales across the, the piece um, as a, you know, businesswoman myself. Um, I just see that, 
um, particularly here in Wales, that Welsh Government doesn't actually understand how business sort of operates. And um, I have been very concerned during COVID, um, you know, if you consider it, who was it that came to the rescue when suddenly, you know, overnight we were, you know, faced in lockdowns and it was it was the smaller uh, local welsh food and drink producers that stepped up our farmers were amazing and you know people were frightened of going in supermarkets and um, i've seen businesses actually now start as a result of them realizing you know that it was the smaller producers and smaller in, uh, of the food and drink industry who came to the fore and you know brexit i see that's a huge opportunity to see it. one of the reasons brexit happened people were fed up of the uh, regulation of bureaucracy and so i think now i you know i, I agree to a point with fear but i would say it's a mix we need to see more procurement locally but also i'm i'm excited about the opening up of new trade deals and new markets to export our fabulous produce but it's a mix you know it's not one solution um you know business rates oh nightmare for businesses uh the planning regime in wales for 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 uh, uh you know some food producers i have a farm locally who wants to actually um diversify into uh some, you know uh, market garden type business on oh, the planning regime is just impossible. So for me, as a Welsh Conservative, I can assure anybody watching this that we would be looking to, you know, um, not be imposing all the regulations. It's why Brexit happened, one of the reasons. And so uh, with COVID and Brexit, I don't think that Wales has been better placed to, you know, rid ourselves of negatives. And, and you know, let's be honest, Overregulation for businesses is a negative because we need our businesses in Wales to uh, pay the taxes to then help us, you know, or government to improve our public services. So why, why would anybody in government with, you know, with any business sense wish to keep imposing these regulations? So I'd be wanting to completely look at over, uh, overalling the uh, business rate system, you know, where new starter businesses start up, I think we should be encouraging them. You know, it's almost like letting something, you know, go and then let it fly off. Because I think there's huge potential going forward now for anybody in Wales in the food and drink industry to, to you know, set up, you know, there is a strong entrepreneurial spirit in Wales. And we don't want to see that, you know, snuffed out with a lack of foresight from Welsh government. So the Welsh Conservatives, we are very business minded. We do support um, those in this industry. And I would just say that, um, yeah, less regulation, less bureaucracy and more support. And, you know, business rates is, is one of the, and planning, uh, two of the areas I would start with. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Bill Powell. Thank, thank you, Chris. Um, I think it's really important uh, that, we, that we don't, absolutely demonize regulation because regulation uh, has to be in place but it has to be proportion it has to be proportionate it has to protect uh, public health and uh, also where it has to ensure uh, transparency in the way that business is is done and um, I, i'm sure none of us have got an appetite to revisit uh, the brexit uh, referendum and the associated topics 
but uh, I think we should also we should also not fail to recognize that uh, some of the greatest uh, proponents of bureaucracy have been the, the gold plating that's come in uh, at um, at Westminster level and indeed the old um, uh, the, the the old Welsh office now the, the Wales office you've got bureaucracy coming in at every level and we need to bear down on it um, the Welsh Liberal Democrats are committed to the scrapping uh, and the reform of uh, of business rates and, uh, and that's something that is really really important um, colleagues will be aware that at the moment local authorities around Wales are consulting on the liberalization of uh, some planning regimes uh, in um, under uh, local planning uh, policy uh, be because of the consequences of uh, of uh, covid and the impact on our retail sectors and i think we need to welcome that level of uh, liberalization certainly I, I i just penned my own response yesterday to the brecon beacons national park uh, consultation on this topic because we need to have greater movement between uh, use classes. I think Janet is right to talk about the need uh, for greater flexibility there, and I think that's useful to enable pop-up shops and to enable um, flexibility and maybe sharing of space where you need to co-locate businesses that wouldn't be sustainable in their own right. But in doing so, we also need to protect uh, those um, retail cores against uh, being um, the victim of of opportunistic. Uh, developers turning them into into um, holiday homes or or residential and then killing off the opportunity for our town centers to survive and thrive as they as they have done in the past and they will do uh, again i think um in relation to uh, the wide, the wider trading environment that we now live in we we must not lose sight as Chia rightly said of the proximity principle because uh, you can be you can be kind of uh, working out um, trade deals with uh, obscure uh, parts of the world that we've barely heard of, but actually we need to remember that the vast bulk of our trade and the figures that came through in January about the fall off of uh, export levels to the European Union were deeply, deeply alarming. Somewhat better in February, but we need to be really alert to that because we cannot afford to lose our principal markets. That's absolutely vital. Okay, thank you very much. Um, Hugh, you had heard a lot of uh, comments there about uh, uh, regulation. Uh, our business has been overburdened. Um, you do need to get the balance right. And I was really pleased to hear Bill say quite sensibly, it's actually about getting that balance right. There is good regulation and there is poor regulation. The characteristics of good regulation are that it is smart, it is well focused, and that it's actually worked up in conjunction with the sector. But let's be frank, there is a danger in a laissez-faire approach where you say you just strip out re uh, regulation uh, because you've got, I can remember the bonfire of regulation that was under a, a previous con uh, Conservative administration at a UK level. It was at the time where we then experienced the horsemeat scandal. I was there, I was a minister, shadow minister at the time there, so that was erupted. And what we learned from that is, my goodness, if you're going to protect your own food and drink industry, if you're going to protect your farming industry and your food producers, you need the right regulation in place, not only in our own borders, but also internationally as well. So you can track and trace where food is going. So there is good regulation, smart regulation, regulation that the industry will actually say we need in place. 
And that would be my argument uh, to the person who's put this question, because uh, it's the right question. You should always challenge regulation. But I'm darned if I'm going to sit here and say we should just strip regulation out because okay. I don't believe it. No, I don't saying. believe I don't believe it at all. Um, and when you look at, for example, the fact that we're now the third highest recycling nation in the world, that hasn't happened by accident, and it hasn't happened by goodwill or consumers saying, "Tell you what, let's re- let's do this in Wales off our own backs." It's done because. There's been a joined up approach with the industry, with the sector, with consumers, with local authorities, and it's a regulatory approach. But it's got to be a smart approach and you do constantly need to run the rule across it. And that's what our commitment will be as Welsh Labour going forward, if we are re-elected, because it's always in the hands of the voters, is that we will consistently work with all the different sectors that are represented on this call today, and there's many of them, and they'll have a different view of what's good and bad regulation within their own sector. Work with them to find out what is the right one. But we cannot walk away from regulation where it's needed. If you look at, for example, right now, the massive, surely we all accept on this on this call now, I hope we all do, that we are facing a climate change emergency. Welsh Government was the first in the UK to declare that. In which case, you will need not only voluntary approach and consumer-led approaches, you will need regulation to actually hit the targets we want to. Same applies to the biodiversity crisis. Same applies to the obesity crisis. And it is an obesity crisis. We know it not only within Wales, but within England and many Western nations. Now, some of that will come through voluntarism. Some of that will come through nudge behavior and so on. But I'm afraid it will require the food and drink industry as well to work with government at a UK and Welsh level to find the right regulation. The people from the FDF and FDF Cymru on this call will know that actually this has been done traditionally in tackle against obesity by some effects of behaviour change within supermarkets about where you place products and so on. And some has been done by actually forcing down sugar content, salt, salt content and so on. Good, smart regulation. My final point is this, and it was picked up by one of the other panellists as well, and I was glad to hear it. The big competitive advantage we will have in Wales going forward will be quality and that brand Wales, brand Cymru identifier. And that cannot be on low standards and cheapness and undercutting others. It's going to be on quality, sustainability. And curiously, there'd probably be some people on this call who've been for years involved in Welsh lamb and Welsh lamb exports. And we know the challenges there now in finding new export markets. But if you look at the exports that we've had to places in the Middle East and elsewhere and the emerging markets in, in Asian countries as well, what has driven that? It's because of the standards in the industry. So let's, let's not simply say regulation bad. Let's say let's get the right regulation in place, not only for ourselves and for protection of the industry and consumers and the image of the industry, but also for exports, because our future will depend on being able to guarantee to those export nations that we are the very best in all the standards, environmental protection, animal welfare, consumer protection. We are the very best of the best. That's what will sell our products from here on. Okay, thank you very much. Um, We're going to be returning to um, issues like uh, obesity and uh, the environment uh, in some of our later questions. But um, the next question is um, around exports, which um, 
some some of you have already um, touched on it in, in, in some of your uh, previous answers. So this question um, comes from the FUW president, Francis of, of Wales, President Glyn Roberts. And he asks, how do you plan to support the agricultural industry to stay competitive in the domestic and global market whilst ensuring food produced to lower environmental or animal welfare standards does not undercut Welsh produce? And if I could turn to Janet first for, um, for this question. Yeah, I, I, thank you. And, and thank you to Glyn, who I've, I've worked with many times uh, in a very positive manner, really. I mean, clearly, there have been, there were concerns, uh, you know, leading up to Brexit. And, you know, we, we can't not include Brexit in any sort of discussions we have now because, it, it, it you know, it's an, an evolving process. But I think what's concerned me is since the date of the referendum and the results, Welsh Government, instead of putting together plans in which to help our farmers, in which to, you know, sort of um, tackle any sort of teething problems that may come with, with exports in the early days, you know, as we move up to, you know, towards, uh, you know, the, the sort of the season, you know, towards June is when, okay, things may be a little problematic at the moment. And there are concerns, I know, felt by farmers that, you know, will all those teething problems be solved? All I can say is that I just wish that the Welsh Government had spent that time looking to, you know, more positively rather than keep going back over the argument. We've had so many debates over the past three years in, you know, still fighting that argument instead of bringing forward um, ways forward to work with the UK Government to iron out any of those obstacles. Now, as I uh, mentioned earlier, it really grieves me, and Glyn knows what I'm, what I'm going to say now. It really grieves me that we have all this fantastic world food, uh, both produce, both food and drink, but let, let's just concentrate on food and farming at the moment. It aggravates me intensely that, um, yeah, I've used this as a scenario previously, that I used to be the cabinet member, uh, a, a cabinet member in Common County Council in 2004, in early days, you know, you know, really wanted to make a change. And I just asked in cabinet meeting one day, why are our schools not procuring local produce? You know, why are our hospitals, you know, where Welsh land, so, you know, some of the produce that we uh, have here in Wales is some of the most nutritious, you know, look at the bills to our health service of the cost of medications. And yet when it comes to nutrition, it's a forgotten entity. And I remember being pulled aside afterwards by the leader and told, Oh, it's a very complex process, this procurement. You know, we've got, we're signed into this procurement deal that we cannot get out of. And it actually, I said, does it mean we're bringing stuff in from out of Wales? Oh, grief, yes. You know, that, by, you know, that thing you told me, the figure, and I was astounded. And I said, well, I will be doing all I can to champion going forward that we have more local produce in our schools, in our hospitals, in our public service, you know, buildings and things. Well, here we are in 2021 and, you know, 10 years in the Senate and I've been plugging away a number of times that I've raised concerns with Jane Hurt about this. And, you know, there's procurement plans. They're very good, the Welsh Government, writing up procurement documents. But in reality, they don't mean a lot. So what I can tell you now is the Welsh Conservative Government would overall procurement processes in Wales and we would look to actually grow in um the uh domestic market and i'm going to tell you now it's not just in farming i you know seafood and fish 
you know, all the opportunities that Brexit have brought forward, we need to get, I was brought up, you know, there were fish markets, um, we've gone backwards, we have actually, we've digital technology has gone forwards, but as a nation we've gone forward with our eating habits. I know you're going to go on to obesity in a minute, but all I can tell you is this, that it's my belief that if we grow our domestic market and we embrace what Brexit has brought to us, um, you know, less regulations, but the right regulations, I'm not, no one's ever saying that I don't agree with regulations. We have got some of the best food and drink in the world, as far as I'm concerned. I'm not talking about no regulations. I'm talking about over-regulation, over-bureaucracy. And at the moment, I can see there are some issues for our farmers, but it's about Welsh government, not, not keep moaning about it. They should be working with UK government so that our farmers see a smoother transition going forward but grow the domestic market and embrace the, the new markets that will be coming forward now as a result of the fact that we've lo- we've left the european market you know but we can still be trading with them but also embrace the bigger markets it's a no-brainer not to do so okay thank you very much uh bill powell um Thank, uh, thank you, Chris. Uh, Diolch, I'm a question, Glyn. Um, it's absolutely vital, absolutely vital that we do the best that we can to make uh, the Brexit with which we uh, we will be living for the immediate time to come. Um, I mentioned earlier the, the proximity principle, and that is absolutely critical uh, that we, uh, that we um, do everything possible to retain those uh, those vital markets and uh, um, the talk of, uh, of trading, trading with the world, and so on. Uh, ultimately, um, Janet referred to the bigger markets. Well, the bigger markets are those that that we need to uh, that we need to keep um, keep and still develop, and uh, and we need uh, to ensure that the next Welsh government. Uh, intensifies its efforts to retain and develop that brand recognition uh, across uh, the European Union as well as other emerging markets. And it's a, it, the, the, the answer is, is definitely a, a mix of both. And we, we can't do the one without the, the other. Um, I think we need, we are at the moment in a situation where, where many, many farmers can scarcely believe uh, how strong the market is. Uh, there were there were queues uh, leading to uh, the livestock market in um, in my own ward in Talgraf last Friday. There were there were queues 10, 15, 20 vehicles deep from two or three different directions. Um, and uh, and some people think that that will go on um, indefinitely. I fear that the the truth and the and the and the wiser maybe some of the the the, the farmers who've been through uh, cycles of, uh, of trade over time, will realize that that is not going to be the case. And, uh, and uh, I think we need to be alert, for example, to the comments that came from the director of Randall Parker Foods uh, up at Llanidloes uh, just uh, about uh, six weeks ago, because their margins are very, very difficult. At the moment, we've obviously got the surge um, uh, in, in demand that's partly associated with Ramadan and uh, other parts of our domestic communities that are leading to a great surge into a, uh, almost to a bonanza. But uh, we need to plan for the long term. And um, um, I think it's also really important for us to acknowledge what 
the, the current Welsh Government has, has done to promote a cross-party and cross-sector discussion of preparing this. And it's been my um, privilege over five years to, to, to work within the Welsh Government EU Advisory Group, which has been chaired by Hugh Latterley and previously was chaired by, uh, by Mark Drakeford. And uh, to con to suggest that, um, that 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 group and the and the industrialists. I mean, you've got people there of a conservative mindset. You've got people from the entrepreneurial sector, the third sector, and from the world of politics. And those people have worked together. We have done the best that we could to deal with the, with the smoke and mirrors and some of the clowns that have had to be dealt with um, at a at a at a UK government level. Uh, people brushing aside the difficulties and uh, suggesting that, that magically everything will be fine. There's a huge amount of work that has to be done and we need to support our farmers, support our food processors in making the best of the regime in which we find ourselves. And it's hugely disappointing that, uh, that uh, the, um, the, trade, uh, the trade legislation that, uh, that went through just before Christmas has, has gravely disadvantaged uh, the, uh, the um, uh, farming sector. And that was recognised by many uh, wise Conservative MPs who chose to rebel. Uh, we people of, of, of real distinction, like Neil Parrish, Lord Curry, and others. And it's just a great shame that uh, nobody, not one single Conservative MP uh, in uh, representing Wales, uh, even raised any serious concerns, let alone voted to uh, to to put in place greater protections. But uh, that's probably enough for me for now. I look forward to Hugh's contribution. Thank you very much, Bill. Um, Hugh, um, I don't, don't want to direct your question, uh, your answer um, uh, at, at all, but I mean, I, I just wanted to sort of just sort of point out that that I think what what um, Lynn was sort of was was getting at in the question was was the uh, uh, the concern that um, you know higher invent, uh, environmental regulation could increase the cost of production for for Welsh farmers in in in, in a in a difficult time in in uh, you know in, in the markets. Yeah, no, and I absolutely get that from uh, Glyn's question as well. I'll, I'll focus directly on the response to that uh, as well, because it is undoubtedly the case. Do you know, even if we hadn't actually gone through the uh, uh, EU withdrawal transition, there would be challenges ahead, not least for the farming industry, because of the changes to the common agricultural policy and also the payments that flow through it. That, peri that period of renegotiation was coming up. I'd been involved with that previously as a minister. There would have been changes anyway. There would also have been changes flowing through with regulation as well and how that was interpreted in the UK. But what we have had, of course, is um, a massive almost turbo boost to the disruption uh, and this isn't looking back what I would just say to my uh, colleague Janet uh, there are reasons we do have to look at what the direct implications are because if I take it wider than um, the food and farming and food producing industry for the moment we know the real disruption that there's been to the shellfish industry within Wales it's a very important industry. So we have to be frank on where the challenges lie. That doesn't mean we're harking backwards. It's a, unless we confront those challenges, we can't put in place the things we need to actually help them through this. But to focus on um, Glyn's questions, I've touched on the regulation already, but he, he was also asking about exports and driving new markets. Well, look, one thing that a few of us have spoken about already that I think we're agreed on 
is that this the way that we do this going forward, uh, and it's not a recent thing, by the way, it's been for a number of years, is driving it on quality and sustainability. There's been some really good um, uh, research carried out on a, on a global basis about uh, uh, Welsh branding uh, and uh, where people in the Middle East and Asia, et cetera, uh, actually identify Welsh products and what they see about it. Interestingly, um, 88% of global uh, respondents who are buyers of uh, food and fisheries products and so on um, see as a critical importance sustainability. So we've got to focus on that in Wales and embed that and work on that even more and brand Wales more as it. 84% uh, of global respondents actually identified Wales as being synonymous with naturalness, natural food, natural fisheries product. That is a really strong basis to take things forward. So on that basis, and working with things like developing more food categories that we can now, we've secured PGI status, we now need to go forward post-Brexit, post-EU transition, to have more identifiable Welsh brands that have special status so we can drive them on exports. We need to work on things like the Blast Cymru, not just the Blast Cymru conference, but that whole idea of good, natural, sustainable Welsh produce, um, domestically and internationally. And we also need, of course, to carry on the work that we've done with Food and Drink Wales as well, with the investment in the export markets. Now, we can do a lot of this Welsh only. There's a, I think it's been a very well-received Welsh strategy of engagement across the world, driven by Welsh government. This is the benefits of devolution. I know we have uh, at least one party standing in this saying, let's, let's get rid of the Senate. Well, you know, good luck to them on, on that platform. But actually, the reach we have as a nation of Wales internationally is a complement to what is done on the UK level with trade and industry as well. And we have our own focus in Wales with the uh, business Wales food uh, support, uh, food and drink support as well. So we need to keep on pushing on those. We need to do it more than ever now because of EU transition. I, I have to say, um, uh, and this isn't looking back, our biggest market is still right on our doorstep. It is to the west of us, it's Ireland, and it's to the east of us, all those other European uh, partner nations. But beyond that, Middle East, Asia, all those possible new markets, but we shouldn't get carried away with all those new markets. We, fir we first of all got to bed down our access to the existing markets and go beyond as well. Before we went into COVID, by the way, there were some really encouraging figures on exports, Glyn, and, and Glyn will know this already. We were looking at because of the efforts uh, that we've done in Wales with our producers, with our brands and with the Welsh government, increases of around 20% in some of our export markets. This is excellent news, but outstripping other nations within the UK. So that's the optimism, I would say, is if we do this right, and if we brand our produce right and play to that, what the global research is saying, quality, sustainability, naturalness, there is a really good future for us after the EU transition, uh, working together to promote exports, Glyn. Thank you, Hugh. And um, finally, um, Claire Griffith, please. Yes, um, a competitive, you know, for, for the Welsh farming industry to be competitive, then it needs to have confidence to invest uh, so that it can innovate, develop new produce, you know, develop new techniques and, and be that sort of innovative leaner, meaner industry that's ahead of the game and not sort of always uh, feeling that we have to be sort of catching up with others. And, and to do that, of course, 
our farms need economic stability and certainty. Otherwise, they're not going to invest. And we're not going to see that innovation. Um, and that brings me, of course, to the, the proposed agriculture bill that Wales will have to pass in the next Senev. Um, and what sets Plaid Cymru apart from the other parties, of course, is that we are committed to retaining a baseline payment to Welsh farmers, which would give that stability, which would give that security that would then foster confidence to, to invest and, and innovate. You know, the Tories are doing away with baseline payments in England. Labour are proposing to do the same here in Wales. I see that as a retrograde step and a number of others, of course, would, would agree uh, with that. Now, the other thing as well, of course, is we've seen uh, a cut in funding to agriculture in Wales imposed on us by the UK Conservative government as well. £137 million less coming to Wales than we would have received were we still part of the European Union, which, you know, doesn't uh, bode well, maybe, for our ability to... What was that? That uh, but that doesn't let Labour off the hook either, because, you know, I've asked on a number of occasions of Leslie Griffiths to confirm whether the Welsh Government would at least commit to continuing its domestic co-financing element or what would have been the RDP in the next uh, RDP period. Uh, she's constantly refused to do that. Now, we are committing to that. It would mean £40 million a year coming uh, to uh, the industry to support these kinds of initiatives that we all want to see. But, the other risks, of course, there's a, there's a huge risk to our competitiveness from cheap imports flooding in to, to the market here, pulling the rug under our feet, where, you know, if we want to retain our export markets into the EU, we will have to retain those higher standards, and rightly so. Um, but then if we have cheaper imports coming in from other countries to the UK, then what do we do? You know, and the Internal Market Act, of course, which was bulldozed through uh, Parliament by the uh, Conservative government, means that if another part of the UK accepts lower standards, then we all have to accept many of those lower standards. Um, and really, you know, it could be the perfect storm. So the next government really has to stand up to that. But that starts on the domestic front and getting our own agriculture bill right. And for me, that means giving farmers the uh, economic stability and security and certainty that they need. Okay, thank you very much, Leah. Um, so um, we'll move on to the next question, which is uh, about environmental sustainability. And this comes from um, uh, NFU, the NFU Cymru President, uh, John Davis. And he's asking, um, earliest, earlier this year, the Welsh Government legislated for an all-Wales NVZ, that's uh, a nitrate-vulnerable zone, um, Despite NFU Cymru and nearly 50 other rural and supply chain organisations writing to the Minister, objecting to the introduction of these regulations. There are concerns about the introduction of blanket regulations, which the NFU and others believe will have long-term implications for the productive capacity of Welsh agriculture. NFU Cymru would like to hear from the panel as to what they would do with regard to the NVZ regulations if they were in government. Uh, I think we will start with um, uh, Bill Powell this time. Thank you, uh, Chris, and thank you, John, for the question. Um, I'm going to deal with the obvious uh, uh, issue that might uh, come my way um, later if, if I don't straight up, and that is clearly we've had, uh, we've had um, Liberal Democrat representation within the current Senate, and we have that, and um, in the distinguished form of my colleague uh, Kirsty Williams, who's outgoing MS for Bretton Radnorshire. Um, I know that this is a matter that uh, that uh, 
that the question has engaged directly with uh, with her on. I also know that um, that uh, sh uh, that uh, Kirsty uh, did uh, the utmost that she could within her governmental role to influence these proposals, and uh, um, and uh, there were there were improvements within that. However, um, she um, she she exercised an abstention as opposed to voting against the the legislation. That said, um, the position with which my party is going into the into the current um, election and the position that I've helped to fashion uh, is one where we uh, oppose the we oppose the imposition of an all territory NDZ um, because we feel and I feel very strongly on this point that it is uh, disproportionate, it is not targeted, and it is imposing um, a solution which is very much a cut and paste approach. And uh, we, uh, as a party, uh, are supportive of the principle of the polluter pays and must be made to pay. Um, I believe, and my party uh, is standing on this, um, this element, uh, this this pillar of policy, that that um, NRW should be given the tools and encouraged to develop the appetite to deal with all forms of pollution wherever it comes from. And within recent days, there's been, uh, as uh, most people on this call who are interested in this topic will be aware, there's been uh, some significant uh, revelations regarding the practices of our utility uh, companies with regard to the dumping of sewage within our rivers. I think it's very, very important that we adopt a colorblind approach and deal with the with the, um, the problems, the significant problems that are experienced by our, our waterways, uh, which are fundamental, fun fundamentally important to uh, the future of our country in terms of its environment and people's health. And what we need to do is to adopt an approach where we have one of partnership rather than one of conflict. I, I know of very few issues that have set back the, the uh, progress that had been made on the urban-rural divide than this very issue represented by those three letters N, V, Z. Uh, it is a matter that uh, certainly in the case, uh, if, if I have the... the um, the privilege and uh, the responsibility of representing the, the the particular constituency where I'm standing, this matter will will have the status of a red line in relation to any future determination uh, of um, of the direction of Welsh government and any influence that that I would bring to bear on that. I think we need to review this. We need to review it fundamentally, and we certainly need to ensure that uh, whatever proposals are brought forward that they are adequately funded and that they are targeted. That is absolutely critical. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bill. Um, if I could turn to um, Hugh uh, now, obviously um, you were part of the government, or rather the, 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 the government introduced the uh, uh, NVZ. So um, if, if you could sort of perhaps uh, defend that position. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, not only defend it, but also expand expand on it as as well. But I correct, I wasn't part of the government, but I, I am a backbencher who supported it. And I, unless I spot the paychecks going into my salary over the last twelve months, uh, I'd miss them. Uh, but anyway, uh, no, absolutely, I did. Um, and we don't want to be in this position either, to be honest. And I don't think the farmers' union individual farmers do either. However, what we do recognise, we have to recognise there is an issue, and we can't underplay it. When you have a situation that you've got 13% of the water courses within Wales that are affected by directly, directly by agricultural pollution. And Bill is right. There is also uh, issues with combined sewage uh, and water outflows. I have them in my own constituency, by the way, in, in, in the Garu Valley. Rapid runoff, narrow valleys, where when there's high discharge, it's com it combines in the sewers and go out. We know about that. But we've been doing so much over the years to tackle this from different sectors, from the industry that used to discharge into it and so on. But we have a situation that is now staring us in the face where we're trying to deal with, not, it's not cleaning up the rivers for cleaning up the rivers sake. Clear and I are both, um, and others on this call as well, are very strong envir environmentalists for the right reason. And we realize that what, what you have with, with pollution within rivers is you strip out the invertebrates, which strip out the fish and all the other species that lie on it. There is good reason actually to deal with this. Now, for years we've been trying to, and I understand John's question, we've been trying to work with the NFU, with the FUW, with individual farmers in different ways to find solutions, and we have not got there. So when you have a situation when back in 2018, there were more incidents recorded than there had been in the last 20 years. When we know that numbers were still higher than in 2015, 16, 17, we have to do something. So the regulatory approach, which we talked about earlier, is almost the last tool in the box. And this is an all Wales approach, but I have to say, the vast majority of farmers are already doing the right thing. The vast majority of farmers, either in terms of their silage and slurry handling or their spreading of it at the right time of the years, et cetera, et cetera, are doing the right thing and they will not be affected. But for those that need to do it, and we have to acknowledge because we've seen this happening, there are some, unfortunately, John, that have not complied with the best practice of the NFU and the FUW and others, and they're polluting our rivers. What there will be within this, however, is the timescale to actually adapt to this for those who need to. So in terms of the slurry management, as you know, to be clear on this, to be absolutely clear, that comes in straight away there. But in terms of those who need to invest, to actually invest in slurry management, slurry tanks and so on, we've got three years actually to put that together. And I think the funding actually goes for a year beyond that, but three years to put the plan in, or two and a half years as, as it now is there. And we will have to work very closely with farmers to do that and to get this right. But we can't ignore there's a problem. We simply can't. We can't ignore the fact we've been trying to do this for a decade and more. And that isn't to say that we shouldn't also tackle the industrial polluters or the combined sewage outfalls and all of those as well, because we need to do those as well. But John, my final point to you would, the, would be this, because I, I don't expect to be uh, a minister uh, and so on, even though I, I, I've been a minister in the UK government, dealing with exactly this in, in the past there. What I would expect of any minister of any political stripe is that on this issue, because of the concern that it has caused to the farming community, that they literally burn the midnight oil on this. I've done it before. 
when I was an environment minister in the UK government, and we had to come up with things like the Upland Stewardship Scheme, we sat down with the farmers unions and we sat there for hour upon hour, ministers and officials, day after day, until we got the minutiae and the detail right and we dealt with the concerns. And whether it's Labour or whether it's another party, that's what I would expect. But John, I would simply say to you, and I'm not ignorant of the concerns this has raised with the farming community, we have to deal with this because all that stuff we talked about earlier, about the image of Welsh farming and produce and quality and sustainability and naturalness, this is something we have to deal with to get rid of this entirely. Um, and, it, you know, I, I would have wanted to do it on a voluntary approach, John, but we haven't been able to get there. So we now need to work ahead with this after the election. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Hugh. Uh, Claire. Yeah, well, to hear Hugh saying that the government has worked closely with the unions and the industry on this, I, I'm afraid that isn't true, Hugh, because, the, you know, the unions put yeah. forward in 2018 and in 2020 uh, for an alternative approach. And they didn't even have a reply. They didn't even have a response from the government, you know. So that maybe reflects, I think, the total breakdown in relationship between the government and the sector in, in this respect. Now, I was the member that put forward the motion in the Senate recently to annul these regulations. He said earlier, you know, let's not say regulations are bad. Generalisation, yeah, that's true. But I think we can safely say that in this particular concept, uh, context, these regulations are bad. They're wholly disproportionate. They're uh, adopting quite an archaic approach, actually. It's a cut and paste of 30-year-old regulations that, frankly, haven't delivered in the other countries where they've uh, been uh, adopted. Now, Natural Resources Wales recommended an 8% coverage for NVZs. He reminded us, you know, 13% of water courses are affected in Wales. The Welsh Government are going for 100% coverage. Now, that is disproportionate. And, um, of course, the cost that comes as a consequence of that is astronomical. You know, the Welsh Government's own estimates say it could cost the industry as much as £360 million in infrastructure costs. That's more than the total income to farming in 2019. It's going to cost our local authorities £36 million to get the thousand council farms we have in Wales up to scratch. I mean, and this was announced on the day when the Welsh Government was also announcing a hardship fund for local authorities to be able to deliver some of their core services. You know, it, it just doesn't make sense on, on so many levels. Now, that's not to say that there is an issue that needs tackling. Applied Cymru is absolutely committed to addressing that. But what we're proposing are regulations that will be much more proportionate, much more targeted. Um, and by the way, the farming by calendar approach is, you know, is is environmentally illiterate. And, you know, that's not, that's not just me saying that. People like Tony Juniper, big environmentalist, chair of Environment England, has said that uh, as well. And um, in England now, they're actually looking to develop a risk matrix to move away from the farming by calendar approach, and that you have a risk matrix where you actually utilise some of the new technologies we have in terms of weather data, weather technology, GPS technology as well, where the Environment Agency would actually be able to direct message, you know, notify on a daily basis farmers in various parts of the country to tell them, you know, the weather's fine today, you know, you, you, you can spread the slurry but not, you know, today if the weather is different kind of thing. So we, we're really sort of putting into regulation and into law here in Wales quite a discredited approach, I think, from the evidence we've seen in, in other parts of the country. And, of course, we know that there are other schemes that are active in Wales, now, like the Blue Flag Scheme, uh, which, you know, is delivering actually better outcomes in terms of, of uh, nitrates than, than what's proposed by these new government regulations. So they're wrong on so many levels. That said, we do need to regulate, but as I said, it needs to be more proportionate. 
And I'm committed to, to making sure that we get to that point within the first six months of the next government, be it within government or, you know, offering to, to work with the next government or whichever colour. But that has to include serious consideration of proposals made by the unions and others in the sector, which frankly hasn't happened to date. Thank you, Claire. And finally, uh, Janice. Thank you. Well, can I just say, in the 10 years that I've been a member of the Senate, I don't think there's an issue that has frustrated or angered me more to see such a valuable sector of our society ignored, betrayed and the rest. So I led a debate on the 24th of February to call on the Welsh Labour-led government to reverse its decision. We had 24 votes and the Minister had 27. And I have to say, William, it's fair to say that Kirsty Williams betrayed her constituency, um, you know, by not actually standing up and supporting our farmers. Um, I've challenged Leslie Griffiths numerous times. I've raised a number of points of concern, including she should have kept to her word. I think 11, there's a bit of an argument whether it is 11 or 12 times that she would not introduce the regulations during the pandemic. She reckons the measures are proportionate. I think it's already been pointed out by speakers before me. They are massively disproportionate. Um, NRW have published a map showing that huge swathes of Wales have had zero agricultural incidents to water since 2010. The minister claims that the measures, oh, uh, that she, oh, the minister claims that we're not making progress with the voluntary approach. That's absolute nonsense. Uh, cases latterly, it's all right talking 2017 view, but cases latterly have been decreasing and that. A voluntary approach should have been gone along with. Regulation 15 in, indicating that the Welsh Government do not believe farmers are capable of using appropriate equipment. Numerous regs, including 34 to 37, 40 to 43, indicating that the Welsh Government want to see farmers bogged down in paperwork. Regulation 29 sees the Welsh Government demanding that farmers provide storage for all slurry produced in the five to six month storage period. Um, and then, of course, you know, she even ignored the, her own advice from NRW. This is a, I honestly think it is it's so shocking the way she's treated the farmers. I think it will be reflected on May the 6th in the ballot box. But I can tell you now, as a Welsh Conservative, hopefully going forward into the 6th Assembly term, we would be rolling back these uh, regulations and we would actually work with farmers genuinely on an individual basis. Thank you. Okay, um, thank you for, for that. Um, uh, I'm going to move straight on to the next question. I know, um, you know, that there, there, there seemed to be a bit of uh, 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 a lot of um, things that possibly you might have wanted to to uh, to um, to get back on, uh, on 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 that, but we, you know. We are sort of um, running sort of fairly sort of tight schedule here. We're sort of running out of time, and and you know there's there's a, a, another question that um, people certainly want to get through, and, and possibly more. So I'm going to move on to the next question, which is about promoting healthy eating. Um, and there's actually two questions here, which I'm going to ask together as, as one because they they basically. Um, you know, cover the same area or, or you know, or, or overlap to some extent. So the, the first one is from um, Sarah Jones, uh, head of the Welsh Retail Consortium, and she asks, um, tackling obesity is the responsibility of all food businesses. So if you were 
the minister in charge after the next election? How would you involve all businesses, large and small, in developing policies to tackle obesity, to ensure that they're workable and effective? Uh, and the second part uh, is, uh, of the question is, uh, James Lohman, uh, of the Chief Executive of the Association of Convenience Stores, he asks, we are expecting restrictions on the promotion of foods high in fat, salt or sugar to come into effect in England in April 2022. Would the next Welsh Government consider ways to minimise the impact on businesses by taking into account the size of stores, sales and business model if it decided to take forward similar measures? Um, and uh, we'll start with uh, Hugh. Yeah, thanks, Chris, and thanks for those questions. And there's a slight overlap with them because part of it turns to this issue of actually developing with the sector and that sector big and small. So whether it's the whether it's the Welsh Retail Consortium or the food and drink industry, or whether it's uh, the small business sector and, and retailers and small retailers as well as the big ones, to make sure that any changes that are brought in are actually, that phrase that uh, was used in the questions, are workable. But they need to be workable and ambitious as well. Um, you know, we've got in place, we've previously had the uh, Healthy Weight, Healthy Wales uh, Welsh Government Tenure Strategy, um, the updated version of that for up to 2022, the delivery plan was published last year. Um, I think there is a mood now, to be honest, because of the challenge we're confronted with, to actually go further and do more and go faster, but it has to be practical and workable for all of the people that will needed to be delivered. It's fantastic to see changes that have been taken on voluntarily by some major retailers. I won't name them for fear of embarrassing others that may be members of the WRC, but we've seen some um, unusual, uh, relatively recent entrance to the uh, larger supermarket retail market within, within uh, Wales and within the UK, being the first to innovate with actually uh, taking away the confectionery and the sugary drinks to aisles and actually putting instead the healthy snacks, the fruit and so on, closer to the checkouts. Very interesting. Nudge behaviour stuff and uh, pester power and so on. We also know that the drive behind smart regulation of actually saying we will reduce salt and we will regulate to reduce salt and sugar within things like sugary drinks it has led not to a drop off in consumption of sugary drinks, but it has led to a drop off in consumption of sugar because the producers have responded because of that regulation and have taken the sugar out of their drinks. So I think it is it is a combination going forward, but it all needs to be worked with the industry. But look, as a, as a former UK minister on this rather than a Welsh minister, I know that every step of this, there will be good and solid reasons put forward by different parts of the sector as to why something shouldn't happen or why you should go slower. I would simply say that, and we see it in all our communities and the people we represent, the major health challenges that we now have, we're in the in my Trinvi Valley where I live, which is my stake down to the coast, there is a 20-year 20-year mortality difference between those who live in Cairo in the most disadvantaged community and those who live down in Ogmore and Sea at the bottom of the Ogmore River. And it's not just to do with bigger houses and so on. 
It's actually to do with diet and lifestyle and so on. So we have to have a good mix here of how we work with people who produce the food, package the food, put the labels on the food, where they put it in the shops, some elements of regulation, and also making it easier for consumers to choose the right thing as well. So we've got to do more on this. We know we do because the impact on things like care and our NHS as well is significant. And frankly, I want to shorten that uh, mortality gap. I don't want people to be dying 20 years, 20 years before they should at the top of my valleys. I want them to have the same opportunities as everybody else. But working, Chris, with the industry on this is vital, but not without ambition. Okay, thank you very much, Stu. Yes, well, I'd, I'd echo much of what he was said, actually, in terms of the need to work with the sector in any initiatives that we introduce uh, or, or on this front. And, and I was going to start, actually, on the mortality rates because life expectancy, of course, in Wales has stalled, uh, you know, and, uh, and health inequalities have widened. And it's, you know, it's the poorer communities very often that are hit the hardest. Um, so, you know, and that's one of the drivers for our uh, policy uh, to introduce free school meals uh, to children in, in primary schools, because, you know, you can guarantee at least one healthy, nutritious meal a day. I want to see an increase in the number of vegetable portions that they get uh, at school. And, you know, that will offer an opportunity then for us hopefully to grow the horticulture sector in Wales to what it should be, because we have huge potential that's, that's untapped in, in, in that respect. And of course, coming back to the procurement policy, you know, uh, local food is healthier food, isn't it? And it's better for the environment because you're reducing food miles, uh, which you could argue actually improves uh, air quality. So, uh, you know, you're winning across the board, really. Um, but we do need to tackle, uh, you know, situations where we, we have an overconsumption of, of food with high fat, high salt and, and high sugar content. And, you know, in fairness, as, as you've said, you know, th there will be initiatives and interventions that we will have to consider um, but, you know, as, as was said in relation to sugary drinks, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a lose-lose situation for the sector. Um, uh, it's just a case of doing it in a way that is deliverable, does have, um, you know, is introduced in a workable way, but also in a way that makes a difference. You know, there's no point introducing regulations tentatively, um, which is a half-cocked approach that in the end doesn't work and hurts everyone. Um, we need to try uh, and get it right across the board, but we can't do that unless we do it in uh, cooperation with the sector. Thank you very much, Claire. And uh, Janice? Uh, thank you. Well, I am very concerned because what I've noticed over the years, and call me old-fashioned, um, but I have two children who grew up you know, with very healthy lifestyle, but concern that I have is that things are getting bigger and sweeter and with more sugar in. You know, when you look at some of the sizes of portions now that are, um, you know, sort of available, I think we need to be looking at that. Obesity is a big problem. I was part of an obesity inquiry into children. And, you know, we have some of the, you know, sadly, in Wales, some of the highest levels of um, obesity in Wales in our children. And I've already uh, mentioned about food, nutrition and, and, and values of the produce that we supply, but it, it's rather more than this. Now, we would, um, I've been working with the sector on this because um, uh, we would, uh, within 12 months, we would publish a plan on obesity, uh, obviously in consultation with stakeholders. It, it is a complex area of policy that cuts across uh, portfolios, not just health. And that's what I do find at the moment with anything that comes forward in, in terms of any legislation, quite often 
there's a mix of more than one or two portfolios and getting that cross um cross department working on legislation can be quite hard we all know it you know it's not it's not fiction it's fact that increasing fiber fruits and vegetables into diets is uh, essential as is into you know meat dairy fantastic nutritional value um you know and of course we see as i think you touched on chronic diseases and various parts of wales um you know between the diets of the rich and those living with more poverty and there seems to be this misnomer that sometimes um you know a takeaway or um, a ready meal is a good substitution for you know preparing a meal yourself when in real terms that is there's nothing further from the truth it is much cheaper far healthier to prepare a meal yourself from scratch um than it is you know to just buy what is or you know readily available and i think we need to be doing more with schools um not just educating the young i know people who generally but you know don't realize that it's cheaper to to buy local produce and, and make a, a meal from scratch and sometimes they just don't have the knowledge or the ability to do that and i think we should be getting into families and helping them. I mean, it's anticipated the cost of the obesity NHS in Wales is likely to be 465 million. And the, uh, the uh, cost of society and the economy, 2.4 billion by 2050. Um, the number of adults who will become obese or overweight is projected to increase to at least 64% of our population. Um, so, you know, we, we've got to address this. Um, I would support an increase in social prescribing to get people outdoors enjoying active pursuits and I would certainly as part of a Welsh Conservative government look into rule out further taxation on food and drink. Um, the successful reduction of salt, sugar and calories in food is more of a result of years of in innovative reformulation and investment. These taxes are often only passed on to the consumer and so I would not support further taxation on food and drink. Education is key here. It isn't about looking for Welsh government to introduce another form of tax onto our hardworking food producers. Okay, thank you, Janet. And uh, finally, Bill. Bill, you're you're still uh, still muted, Bill. <laughs> What a relief for you! Uh, <laughs> thank you, uh, thank you, Chris. Um, I think the this pair this pair of questions really gets to the to the nub of the issues. And uh, um, I was particularly struck by the comments that that Hugh made earlier about the uh, the divergence within communities within within his wider uh, constituency. And uh, and we've seen again in in the context of the COVID crisis over the last. Uh, 12, 13 months, uh, the, the impact of, of, that, uh, of that inequality, and that's something that, we, that needs to be addressed, uh, which is why it's absolutely correct that the, um, that the free school meals uh, provision needs to, be, um, needs to be maintained and extended, but with particular emphasis on the, on the quality uh, of the, uh, and the quality and appropriateness of the, of the mix of, uh, of those um, school meals in, in terms of their nutritional uh, value. It's absolutely essential. Um, we've got, as Janet uh, correctly said, there's, there's got to be 
more effective uh, cross uh, department working. And I think there's a real opportunity as uh, as uh, Sophie Howe moves into the, the the final third of her um, of her term of her seven year term uh, as future generations commissioner in ensuring that that heads are banged together uh, in relation to uh, the public authorities and the and the public service boards that are so critical to the effective working of that legislation because we need to see uh, a much greater degree of coordination and there are, uh, in terms of procurement matters and advancing uh, local procurement because local procurement of quality uh, Welsh uh, produce uh, across different authorities and some of these some of these relate to uh, local authorities, health authorities, um, other others uh, um, extend to uh, reserved uh, to areas that are reserved, such as uh, the Ministry of Defence. We need to ensure across the piece that there is more progress in in that area. Uh, I think also we need to extend a conversation so that we're, it's not just um, when we're engaging with the sector that we don't just have a dialogue of the usual suspects that we actually extend. Uh, uh, the, our um, our search to to hear the opinions of the widest possible range of uh, of businesses uh, affected. There is a time bomb, and and clearly the impact of um, of of, uh, of COVID has um, been disproportionately severe in areas of food poverty, and we need absolutely absolutely to address that. A number of just brief. Um, points that I think would also be helpful. We should put additional resource into the rolling out of, um, of water refill stations in our town and, uh, and village centres to encourage people uh, to uh, refresh themselves in um, when they need in a, um, in, a, in a healthier way. And also a final point in relation to education. Uh, I certainly know that over the past five years, uh, there have been a number of uh, curriculum initiatives that uh, Kirsty uh, Williams has promoted in partnership with the farming unions around creating a greater understanding of the sourcing of food and the, and the whole food journey. That need, that is also now to be safeguarded in the new curriculum, but that needs to be uh, emphasised to a greater extent again. So you've got an understanding of the impact uh, on, and the importance of food production, but also the wider context of maintaining and improving uh, public and personal health. Thank you. Thank you very much, Bill, and and thank you to um, all our, uh, our panelists. Um, we've had uh, a very interesting um, dis discussion here, sort of on a, on a covering a range of subjects. We've looked at um, supporting the hospitality sector, uh, sort of as it recovers from. Um, uh, the effects of, uh, of 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 COVID lockdowns. We've looked at uh, the question of of uh, business regulation. Uh, we've looked about support for Welsh exports. Um, we've had a sort of very interesting discussion about uh, the uh, the nitrate uh, vulnerable zones, uh, which is obviously a sort of a, a keenly sort of felt issue. And um, and finally, we've 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 had a very um, interesting discussion about um, healthy eating and 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 and, uh, and obesity um, but we've run out of time uh, I'm afraid um, we haven't been able to uh, take in any other questions or, uh, from uh, from our panelists um, so I'm now going to uh, to um, to hand over to um, to uh, our host Peter uh, Pete Robinson 
Thank you, Chris, and thank you to you for, for steering us through that, which was a clear demonstration of the scale and the impact of the food and drink sector in Wales, the range of topics, the range of challenges, and to pick up quite a few points, the range of opportunities as well. I'd like to thank the panellists. I think it was really enjoyable. And I think whatever colour, flavour the Welsh Government comes in the future, one of the great things that came across for us was your willingness and, and consistent view that to work with the sector across the sector to try and find the solutions. We are a sector that is looking to grow, but also understands we have a role to play across all of these topics. I'd like to particularly thank uh, David, Glenn, John, Sarah and James for their questions because they really brought the topics to life. I'd like to thank uh, Neris and her team at Darren for hosting this, 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 um, this webinar, but also Julie, my colleague, with the names of people I've thanked, it's actually Julie that's brought us all together and I think she's done an absolutely fantastic job. Yeah. Uh, we know that we've got some un, uh, unanswered questions. Sharon, Alan and Catherine, thank you for putting them in the chat. If you'd like to reach out to us at Senedd, at fdf.org.uk. We will, if, if you feel you need further information, please don't hesitate to do so. And with that, knowing that everyone's extremely busy, I would just like to say, Diokovala. FDF Podcast, passionate about food and drink.